Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Connecticut has many celebrated cultural institutions, too many to name here. More and more performing arts venues have reopened for the fall season. Today, where we live, we check in on local theaters and hear how they continue to adapt to the pandemic. Coming up, we get an update from a small-town gem, Ivoryton Playhouse in Ivoryton, Connecticut. Its executive artistic director, Jackie Hubbard, joins us. That's later. First, the curtain has been raised again at two popular theaters after the pandemic shut down Long Wharf Theater in New Haven and the Hartford Stage. Joining us first on Zoom is Kit Ingui, Managing Director of Long Wharf. Kit, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lucy. Great to be here. Now, have you gone to a theater show recently? You can join us as well, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Share a comment on our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at Where We Live. Now, Kit, I understand the Chinese lady opened your fall season October 12th and actually closes uh, pretty soon. But this was a play that was set to open back in 2020, I believe, before the pandemic shut down the Long Wharf now for, gosh, almost 19 months. So what has this last year been like? Uh, that's a great question. It, it's been nothing like producing theater um, usually is, and um, and yet has allowed us to really put a lot of attention on our process of how we produce, what type of an organization we want to be for the staff and the guest artists that work here, um, and also really attend to how we want to be in relationship with um, the community of New Haven and and beyond. So it gave you a lot of time to reflect, but when I think about the the theaters in Connecticut, uh, the almost theater families, and so what was it like to have to shut your doors, and and how did you engage with each, with each other uh, during this time? Sure, it, it was uh, that that moment, the the moment when we stopped our tech rehearsal for the Chinese lady. Um, well, it was it was heartbreaking and um, and we all thought it was for just a couple of weeks and we'd keep people here and then we would be able to get back to it. Um, so we obviously quickly learned that was not the case. Um, so over the past year, I would say that local theaters, uh, certainly there are six um, of us that, that get together frequently and, and have really worked together to try to, support each other as we go through this. Long Wharf specifically created a, some virtual programming, primarily conversations around things we were, we were seeing in the world. We built a season called One City, Many Stages that was really centered around what's happening in our backyard and what conversations do we are we hearing from our constituents need to happen? So we did a panel around Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she passed away. We did a play festival called Black Trans Women at the Center that really told some stories um, of, of some community folks that 
people don't necessarily hear about or see on stage. Um, and then the final, our final production of our One City Many Stages season happened in August. We, we partnered with the city of New Haven to pull together a program we called Play on My Block, which um, we picked a play in partnership with the community, reaching out and getting some input on, on what folks might want to see um, in parks in their neighborhoods and how they might want us to produce that. Um, we, we auditioned and gathered some really phenomenal local talent to put on a musical called Passing Strange, um, which was, it's an incredible rock show um, musical that, uh, that we, we did in two parks um, in two local schools uh, in New Haven. That was really our sign off for the One City Many Stages season as we moved into reopening our doors, and getting back to the Chinese lady. Uh, when you talk about seeking input from the community, can you tell us more about what New Haven residents shared with you? Because we've done a, a few shows now focused on theater in the pandemic. And, uh, you know, there's been the question of coming back, but for whom and the importance of telling, mm. you know, diverse stories, but also engaging diverse audiences who may not have been inside Long Wharf before the pandemic. Absolutely. That is a, a, a intentional focus of the theater right now is acknowledging that there are um, incredible audiences that have been attending Long Wharf for a long time. And there are people who have not historically thought Long Wharf was the place they wanted to go to see theater. And so how do we um, build relationships with those folks? How do we um, become their theater of choice or one of their theaters of choice? Um, for Plan My Block specifically, our um, director of learning and community organizing uh, made, she had relationships with various community leaders and we engaged um, some folks in that community to help us reach out. We created a survey they, um, that we, we shared with as many people as we, as we were able to connect, as she was able to connect us with, um, asking, here are some plays that we're considering. Would you like us to bring one of these plays into your, um, into your neighborhood? Would you prefer to engage in a different way with Long Wharf? Would you rather Long Wharf identify local playwrights and create a play for you that we then maybe cast with actors out of New York? And the, the result was what we came up with, which was Passing Strange, um, done with local actors, directed by one of our staff members, Cheyenne Barboza. Um, and, and I think what we are looking for at Long Wharf is ways to continue that, um, these relationship building opportunities, as opposed to only surveying the people who are currently buying tickets to see shows at Long Wharf. How do we build relationships with people who are not? Um, and how do we invite them into the process of um, selecting a season of, of what um, our programming that may not happen on Long Wharf stage is? How do we ensure that what the artists and the community members of New Haven and beyond want to see on Long Wharf stage is what we are providing? I think it's a lot of asking questions and then listening. That's that's where we are. 
You're hearing Kit Ngui here on Where We Live, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theater. Uh, Long Wharf has reopened uh, the Chinese Lady uh, opening the fall season October 12th, and I believe closes this Sunday. We'd love to hear from you if you're going back to see a theater show, if you want to talk about your experience, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. And so transitioning back, what has it been like to be back in Long Wharf, to have audiences again? What are you hearing from them? Oh, my gosh. It, um, it It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful to have people coming back into this into the theater to be in physical space with people while we are watching a play together. I, I mean, personally, it's it is my favorite thing to do. And so to get to sit next to people again um, and I, we're hearing great feedback uh, um, as a as a rule, people are are enjoying the experience. We're doing everything we can to keep folks feeling safe when they come into the theater. We know the, you know the the direction over the past eighteen months has been to to not be in this kind of space. So we are really excited that we are able to bring in fresh air that folks are comfortable and 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 generously willing to remain masked. There's been no issue with this type of, you know, the new vibe when you walk into, into a play. Um, the, the trickiest thing is reminding folks to please bring your vaccination cards with you so that, um, but, but it, as a rule, it's been really wonderful. People accept and understand and are appreciative of the things we're doing to keep audience members um, safe and coming back and our guest artists as well. You know, our actors, they're, they're not masked for the, so that we can show the best theater we can. And so reminding and, and appreciating that, our audience members are helping keep them safe. Um, I, it, it's been just really inspiring. And the Chinese lady is this gorgeous production that I can't, I can't wait for everybody to see. I'd love to hear more about uh, the production in just a couple of minutes, but you know, I'm curious if you've gotten any pushback from community uh, members about the uh, requirement, requiring yeah. masks and having the COVID vax cards uh, on yeah. them for them to attend. It's a it's such a great question, and the answer is sure, yeah, a little bit. Um, but um, as a, I would say, the vast majority of the audience members are supportive, understanding, and appreciate that this is for everybody's safety. That this isn't about just you know, whether you feel good walking into a space, it's about knowing that you are keeping your neighbor safe, you're keeping the person next to you, and that this is the best way that theaters can guarantee they stay open, that we are able to stay open, continue to bring theater back to our neighborhoods, to our to our um, audience members, is, is this right now. Again, you can join us, 888-720-9677, as we talk about how local theater continues to adapt uh, in the pandemic. Uh, uh, we're going to take out some, uh, take some listener calls in just a couple of minutes. But briefly, tell us about The Chinese Lady. And earlier we were talking about getting uh, new audiences to see Long Wharf productions. Do you think some of them have, have come to see this play? Um, yeah, it's been lovely. It's been a beautiful um, uh, audience. So we're, we're, I would say we're not... Um, seeing as many people as previously this was expected um folks are still getting comfortable i think with with coming back to theater 
but the audiences who come are so um, have been so generous and and gracious. And again, their survey responses, um, people are loving the play. The Chinese Lady is a story of um, uh, the first Chinese woman to set foot on um, U.S. soil. She was um, sold for um, display to be put on display um, for the American public, and she was. You know, known as the Chinese lady, and the the story takes you through um, her life as a as a an exhibit for the American public, and her and you see this um, perspective that that this woman had of trying to be the the bridge builder, which is what we think of theater as here at Long Wharf, as this opportunity to build bridges and to share, um, to teach people um, and and share with people uh, stories they might not have seen otherwise. And Afang Moy, this character, the Chinese lady, um, was so proud and wanted so much to be connecting these two countries and these two communities. And you see her journey um, through uh, adulthood. Again, this is imagined. The character is real, a historical character. And then the playwright imagined what her, her inner, inner monologue might have been like. Um, it's not a one-person show, though. There's this other phenomenal um, actor playing the character of Atung, and you hear their relationship. Um, and... Um, um, it's it's wonderful, and then it, it, it I, I won't give away the ending, but it 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 takes you it takes you on a beautiful journey. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. My guests are Kit Ngui, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theatre in New Haven, Connecticut, and Amelia Bensusen, Artistic Director at the Hartford Stage, as we talk about reopenings and how theaters are adapting after nearly 19 months of the pandemic. Have you gone to a local theater show lately? What was it like for you? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. 
This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're talking into local theater, how uh, theater venues are adapting this fall. Uh, with me on Zoom is Kit Ingui, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theater in New Haven, Connecticut. And joining us now is Melia Bensusen, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. Melia, welcome. Hi, thank you, Lucy. It's great to be here. It's been, uh, I think, about a year since we last spoke. Uh, uh, back uh, a year ago, you had to lay off 70 members of your staff, and now the curtain has been raised again with All Wilderness. Uh, tell us about this transition. Well, I, I have to start with a huge thank you to this amazing community, because we did we were able to raise the curtain thanks to the generosity of our patrons. Over 2,600 people contributed to our reopening uh, in terms of different size of donations. And we're in the midst of rehiring staff. Um, we're on our way. We won't be as large a staff as we were before the pandemic. We have needed to make some adjustments in terms of our budgets and our staffing, but we were able to open our first show in 18 months, right? Uh, last Friday night, uh, Wilderness. So it's a joyous, if challenging time for us as a company. Mm. So tell us what it was like opening night. Oh, I can't, I'm not sure I can do it justice. Um, there we, uh, in the curtain speeches, which we, we did right at the beginning of the show, the, my wonderful managing director, Cynthia Ryder, myself, our board chair, um, all spoke to this audience and we were a fairly full house. Everyone was masked, um, as Kit has articulated Long Wharf's point of view about uh, vaccine cards and masks where the six flagship theaters of Connecticut were all following the same protocols, but you could feel people smiling <laughs> behind their masks. It, it was a very celebratory evening. So I think the, the relief and the glee to be together, hearing a story together, a very optimistic, very uh, joyous family tale that our wilderness is with, you know, uh, uh, the first time that Connecticut playwright Eugene O'Neill's play has been done at Hartford Stage. Um, it, it really all felt like a big party. It felt like a big party, but emotional too? Enormously emotional. Um, I will say there's been a couple of moments um, our first day of rehearsals for Our Wilderness was the first time that many of us had been in a room with a play in person in, you know, almost a year and a half. And we wept that day. And um, I will say first preview, which was, you know, uh, shortly before opening, when I first saw an audience in that theater and I greeted them from the stage, um, I, I welled up completely. And the cast I knew was behind me waiting for the show to start. And I could feel us all holding our collective breaths that we'd actually gotten to this moment of performing live with an audience. It, it, and it just, that and then opening, um, it, a culmination of so many people's hard work and and really a kind of leap of faith that this would happen, right? I mean, it's 
it, it's an optimistic play. And O'Neill talks about in other contexts about not being as pessimistic a human being as people assume he is from his tragedies and that he's, quote, tickled to death by life. And I, I felt like the most pessimistic person among us had to admire this leap of faith that it took to believe that theater would reemerge after this pandemic and that we would gather again at Hartford stage. So it, it was a tremendously moving moment. What uh, does the audience look like in terms of numbers? Uh, I had asked Kit earlier from Long Wharf about, you know, with the, the COVID vaccine requirement, with the mask requirement, is it keeping people away, Amelia? Uh, I don't feel that it is. Um, we've had, you know, pretty good sized audiences, um, smaller perhaps than pre-pandemic, but but my fear was that people were not ready to come back to the theater. So I, I am perhaps one of the pessimists that I am describing as, as having this tremendous leap of faith and this moment of, wow, we are doing this and people are coming. They don't seem to mind showing their vaccination cards. People have, as Kit described, people are staying masked through the performance. Um, I think, you know, Connecticut has been an extraordinary state in terms of compliance on vaccinations. And I think we can see that in our audiences. We're very lucky in this region, I think, mm -hmm. in this regard. And for our listeners, have you returned to the theater? We'd love to hear from you, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Where We Live. Amelia, earlier you said that you're working on rehiring staff, but, you know, Tell us what it's like to stage a production like All Wilderness, and has it been difficult uh, on, on certain days? Have you been able to have uh, uh, the type of crew that you would have before the pandemic? Oh, it, that's exactly the question, Lucy, and the answer is no, we haven't. It's been really challenging. The labor shortages that we read about in, in many industries have really impacted our theater. Um, and I believe, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll be curious to hear, you know, Kit speak on this as well, but I feel like it's been a national crisis around staffing theaters. So, so many folks relocated or went into other industries. We had to delay our load in. That's when we moved the set from the scene shop into the theater. We had to change our scheduling around that because we could not find a crew of carpenters, of stagehands to do that. We had to bring in a couple of folks to help with hair and wigs from out of state because we didn't have local folks where we normally did. Or because all our theaters are starting up at the same time, mm -hmm. there really was a kind of, you know, perfect storm of too much work after no work and after you know, really a transformation of the field. So this is, it's a challenging time. It continues to be. I have to do a huge shout out to the staff at Hartford Stage. They have been amazing. Everybody is really doing two people's jobs and we're all hanging in and uh, looking forward to bringing on more colleagues institutionally. But yeah, that is the question. And it's been surprisingly slow and difficult to rehire. Uh, Kit, what has been Long Wharf's experience? 
Yes, that's not um, unique to Hartford Stage. Long Wharf is in the same, um, a, a version of that same boat uh, and, and, and feel the same about our staff and what an in- incredible job they have been doing um, keeping the theater open. Uh, we were, I, I suppose, lucky in that um, the Chinese lady was primarily constructed. So we were able to, um, to get to opening um, with, right. with minimal strife. That being said, we're, you know, having to overhire a number of roles that we we would have traditionally brought in a full time um, person to do to do the, the position because we're not finding people. Pe- the, the, the pool is smaller and there are so many amazing opportunities right now for theater artists, um, for anyone in, in the theater field, because as, as Melia pointed, we are all opening up at one time. We're all posting and, 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 um, trying to, to fill our staff with, with folks. Um, I'm looking forward, um, to a small pause while we prepare for our next show and hopefully really refocusing our efforts on bringing, bringing in um, new staff. You know, Amelia mentioned that uh, the whole transformation of the field, we know that theaters are, are thinking more about um, productions and putting an equity lens uh, to bring mm-hmm. on um, yes. you know, more diverse productions, more diverse staff. But what about when it comes to hiring and questions about uh, better pay? I'm just wondering if, if I could hear both of your thoughts on that, how your institutions are thinking about this. I'll start with you, Kit. Sure. Um, we definitely have been looking at um, all of our decisions through a lens of equity and anti-racism. And that that includes how, how we are compensating individuals, how we're setting them up for success after they accept the job and step into either the virtual or the physical space. Um, what are what are the what are the ways that we need to change how we operate? So things like clear job descriptions, I think uh, you know they're they're there has been some tradition of just accepting that people know what they're doing when they get a job um, in certain positions. And we're trying to uh, change that and write really clear job descriptions, clear expectations, trying to reduce um, uh, rehearsal weeks to not have to be six day weeks and tech rehearsals to not have to be 10 out of 12 hours of rehearsal time plus the time that the crew comes in in the morning to prepare for rehearsal and really re relook at what what we what we should expect from our team members um, when we create it, you know, in order and as we are trying to create an anti-racist theater and a humane working environment to hopefully open up the gates wider and say more folks come in. We can you can work here. It can be healthy. It can be fun and safe and um, you can be compensated. Amelia. Yes, actually, quite similar to what Kit has said, we too have eliminated 10 out of 12s, which turn out to be, you know, 16 hour workdays for staff. We've instituted uh, five day work weeks versus six day work weeks by and large, um, especially during tech, because typically what used to happen was that the actors would get a day off and the theater staff and technicians would not. They would work, you know, 10 to 12 days straight without a break. So we've instituted days off where they didn't used to be. Our hiring has shifted where um, we no longer have the sort of supervisor or manager being the only person who interviews a candidate. We're really creating 
an institution that values inclusion and dialogue. And so for each position, we've created panels of staff who interview from different areas of our institution so that we're all knowledgeable about each other and all have a say in each other's work. Um, and as part of the hiring, we've created um, a series of questions around competencies that include the equity diversity lens and just basic questions around communication and anti-racist, um, well, competency is really the best word, right? That we're all on a journey to be uh, more open, more present, uh, more empathic organization. So that's that's been a huge part of it. We've also increased um, our base salaries so that there is where we're, no one is below a certain minimum institutionally where there was a too great a range previously. Yes. So it's all in process still. We have a long ways to go, but we have, as Kit was describing before, this year, this pause, this very long intermission did give us time to drill deep into our values and really create a kind of collective vision of where our institution could be. You're hearing Melia Bensusen here on Where We Live, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. Also, Kit Ngui is here, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theater in New Haven. As we talk about a theater still in the pandemic, uh, many more venues reopening this fall, including Long Wharf and the Hartford Stage. Have you seen a recent production? We'd love to hear from you, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Simone's calling in from Woodbury. Simone, go ahead. Hi. Um, I wanted to call in because I'm actually in a production right now at Thomasman Opera House. Um, we're doing Kinky Boots, but we didn't start this year to produce this year. We actually started last year, and I was in the first round of actors in the show, and we started up in rehearsals. And then when COVID hit, we tried to do scattered rehearsals. We tried to do Zoom calls. We tried to have all of our music downloaded onto an app and practice on our own. And now we're just getting back into production this year, and we're heading into our third weekend this weekend. Well, that's great, Simone. What has been the audience reaction? What are you hearing from community members? Uh, we are selling out. We're, like, almost to full capacity. Uh, I think last weekend there was one show where there were only four single seats left. Um, we definitely had a sellout date as well. Um, I think a lot of people are just really happy to be back. We've only had issues. I think one patient so far in the five shows that didn't have their vaccine card and got a little upset, but otherwise people, we were holding curtain for a long time just to get everybody into their seats. And Thomas and Opera House has a lot of season ticket holders that are just very, very excited to be back in the theater. Well, thank you, Simone, uh, for ta talking with us here on Where We Live. The number again, 888-720-9677. Uh, for another perspective, we're welcoming back Jackie Hubbard, who's Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse in Ivoryton, Connecticut. Jackie, welcome back. Thank you, Lucy. It's lovely to be here. Now, I remember speaking with you right before you reopened uh, for the summer season. How's it been going? It has been a roller coaster. Um, I think we opened in July, you know, very similar feelings to what Melia has already spoken. It was emotional. It was 
just tremendous. We had uh, a lot of people. We have socially distanced. We committed to just a 50% capacity this year. We will not go back to full seating next year. So it was very small houses, but we were selling out. It was just wonderful. And then uh, we did another show. We did the Delaney Sisters having our say in August, and that did pretty well. But then September hit, the Delta variant hit, and kids went back to school. And suddenly people, uh, there was a change in the audience, and there was a definite, you know, this was great, but I think I'm going to stay home and maybe we'll come back after Christmas. And that was a, a devastating blow, especially since we had invested in a new work um, a wonderful piece that incorporated um, a, a ration, a ra racial, uh, um, what has happened with the Asian community during this pandemic with bluegrass music. It was a fascinating piece and lovely, just a lovely story. And suddenly we found our audience radically diminished um, but we've been we keep up a constant dialogue uh, with people and we've found that they've as the numbers have dropped again in Connecticut, they are coming back out. So we're opening a show this week and um, and I think that they'll start to come back again. We've had a lot of people who have already said we're back next year. We've had our booster shots. We're coming back. So I'm feeling just, you know, same as Melia. I'm like. I was a huge pessimist through this, but I've got a little glimmer of cockeyed optimism coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned some of the, the plays that uh, you've put on, and I'm wondering about, you know, the thoughtfulness of ones that you've selected with maybe few characters versus in the past, some of the productions you've put on. Well, again, I'm repeating what everybody said, but we, we have a huge staffing problem, of course. We, a lot of people moved on, took other jobs, and that's terrific for them. Mm -hmm. But to restaff is going to take some time. And also, with all the COVID protocols imposed by the union and, you know, by life, uh, housing, housing is always um, an issue when you have large casts. So we have not produced anything with more than three actors so far because then we can safely have everybody housed uh yes it was it was um an interesting process to come up with these shows there was a practical element because of what we could you know safely manage and there was also what are people looking for and people were looking for stories that lifted their spirits, did not bring them down, but not fluff. So mm -hmm. it, it's it's a little balance there that you're trying to find something that people will feel better when they leave the theater than when they walked in, but they haven't just sat in front of a sitcom. So uh, that's the little, the balance that we have been trying to achieve. And, I, you know, I've been in Ivoryton for 30 years now, 20 years, 21 years actually as the... Um, executive artistic directors, I have the advantage of knowing intimately an awful lot of people who come to the theater. So I've been able to keep a dialogue through this past year and a half. And that has been quite sustaining in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's 
it, as everybody knows, it's a hit and a miss. You you never know. It's a moving target what people are going to love and what they're not. But you you try and have as educated um, a guess as you can, and um, and I think that we are you know I think we all find we're walking this tightrope right now um, because everybody is feeling tenuous and vulnerable. So um, you mentioned, so, Jackie, you mentioned staffing shortages. And so tell us a little bit more about when you say staffing shortages, what positions and, you know, how have your theater, uh, I guess, responded to some of the financial uh, challenges of this last 19 months? Well, we were very lucky um, that we do have a great supportive community and we were able to raise funds to sustain us, plus a huge shout out to the state of Connecticut for coming up with money for theaters that's just tremendous and we are lucky to live in a state that does support the performing arts and then we did get some shuttered venue money which was also terrific we were hit horribly by tropical storm ida which flooded the theater wiped out all of our dressing rooms kitchen (laughs) costume area but dreadful um, so that is a work in progress. So when we close down at Christmas, we'll be hopefully working on that. So it was a, a double whammy this year. But um, but yes, so the we lost, I would say, just over a third of our staff. And we have not been able to replace anyone yet. So this is also a great opportunity for all of us to say, we're hiring almost every department (laughs) and uh you know uh, there's now opportunities since we've all rethought how we produce and what we do in our businesses i think we all have more flexible opportunities we all understand that people's attitude towards work has changed we have we now have people who work for us on a very flexible schedule because they have small children. They, you know, we have people who have other, uh, you know, who work at other theaters. And, you know, we talk a lot about how we can share how, because sometimes in production, we all know we don't need somebody for full time, but you need them for specific periods of time, how we make this work. And of course we have, um, increased salaries because that is the most important thing. You, our biggest resource is our staff. So it's um, it's definitely a time. If anybody's thinking of looking for a job in theater, we're all looking. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're hearing Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse. Also here, Amelia Ben-Susan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage, and Kit Ngui, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theater. We'll continue talking after a short break. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. Coming up tomorrow, 
Baseball legend Bobby Valentine is running unaffiliated for Stanford mayor. He's drawn some big-name Republican donors. But how do Stanford voters feel about his campaign? On the next Where We Live, Bobby Valentine joins us. And if you have a question for him, we want to hear from you. That conversation tomorrow. Now, today we're talking with local theater makers as the fall season gets underway. My guests, Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Ivoryton Playhouse, Kit Ngui, Managing Director of Long Wharf Theater in New Haven, and Melia Bensusan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage. We just have a few minutes left, and I wanted to talk with you about innovations in theater. Uh, when we see you know, certain social media platforms like TikTok really taking off, um, engaging in a different way with uh, the community. Amelia, can you talk like what you're thinking about in terms of what theater of the future may look like? Oh, it, it's a great question. And it's certainly one that I know has been on all our minds as we make theater. Um, I guess I would separate the question in terms of how we introduce folks to the theater where these platforms I think are so useful and then what the actual experience of going to the theater is. Um, so I think there's nothing that can quite replace live performance and being in a space together, breathing and impacting each other as we watch. We've all had the experience of being in a, in a full house and we laugh together differently than if we sit alone in a theater. There's something, you know, when you go to a movie theater and you're the only person there, it's such a treat. It's like, oh, I get this whole movie theater to mm -hmm. myself. But when you go to see a play and you're the only person in the theater, it's lonely, it's scary, it's alienating. And I think no matter how these platforms evolve and they have so much to give us, they'll never replace the experience of breathing together, of having actors change their rhythm based on our responses as an audience, the unique quality of each and every performance based on the dialogue that occurs invisibly between an audience and a performer. So I, I think these platforms continue to evolve and are extraordinary means through which to connect and share information and, um, and share conversation. But I do feel that at core, something like Hartford Stage exists because we want to gather in person together in this theater and feel the proximity to each other and to the artists. Uh, Kit from Long Wharf, I think what Melia shared with us makes sense for people who are current theater goers, who love being inside a theater uh, with everyone around them, all experiencing uh, this magic they see on stage. But for people who may not have gone to theater, who maybe connect better with these online performances, how does that change the programming decisions that you and your colleagues are making at Long Wharf? Um, you know, do you see some of those online performances as competition? Now you have to work extra hard to to make that live theater special yeah it's it, it's interesting i i um at my core i agree with melia i think that we that theater is most um unique and is at its best self um when you are in space with others and um, I think that social media platforms, things like TikTok are excellent. Um, they, they give us opportunity to connect and maybe to source um, ideas and to, and to encourage uh, artists to that, that we maybe that we can live in a more democratic kind of um, 
artistic creation world now. People can share what they're doing and we can see it and we can share with them. Um, I, I I don't think that it will replace what theater is. I think theater is its um, the type, the live in-person theater that that we produce at Long Wharf, um, that happens at Iverton and Hartford. I think these are these are unique, and there is a place in the world for theater created on and living in these social zones. For for Long Wharf, we don't we're not. It's not our skill set, right? It's not what we do best, and we are not staffed to make it happen. Um, but we are always engaging with artists and artists will lead us if that is where, um, if that is where they want to go. Long Wharf is here to help provide the space to make that happen. Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, artists will lead us. Jackie Hubbard, did you want to add something? Yes, exactly what uh, Kit said in that we are not set up, uh, certainly staffing wise to embrace any of that, but I have been, so excited by some of the younger and more technologically savvy actors that come in and do Instagram takeovers and have been really teaching us a lot. And to be honest, it is a conversation that we have had how to engage actors more in that process uh, because they are um, they are the ones who seem to be able to have a handle on this new technology. And, um, and I love it. I love it. But it is alongside theater. It's not what we do. And I'm not sure it will ever be what we do. I mean, I don't know. Possibly the next generation of us will come in and theater will have a different face. But, you know, people have been saying it's that this is going to cause the death of theater for about, you know, 500 years now. <laughs> so, and we're still here. So, you know, I think it's, it'll be okay. But I, I am, part of me actually, I have to say, is a little excited by some of the stuff that I've seen. But I don't think it's what we will do, and I don't think it will take our place. Uh, the fall season is underway. Uh, shows again uh, opening the fall season, like The Chinese Lady, like A Wilderness. Uh, Kit, before we run out of time, when we think about how uh, institutions are reevaluating, uh, inviting art by and for people of color to tell their own stories, not simply uh, adapting um, roles for them, I'm wondering if you could just give us a preview uh, of some of the, the works coming uh, to the stage at Long Wharf. Absolutely. Um, so we have the Chinese lady um, is running now. The last three shows in our season are Fires in the Mirror, which is a play written by Anna DeVere Smith. Um, and uh, will tell the story of conflict in Brooklyn um, between the black community and the Jewish community. Um, it's a based in fact and is a is a gorgeous um, investigation into this this um, real life moment in history. Dream House is a play that we workshopped at our New Works Festival. Um, it's written by Eliana Pipes. Um, and and it is uh, in partner where we're doing both of our, um, our last three shows in our season are in partnership with other organizations around the country. Um, Dream House follows um, two Latinx sisters who are um, selling their family home and become a part of an HGTV style show um, thinking maybe they can make a little more um, 
money and capitalize on the gentrification happening in in their neighborhood and then and and you get to see some of this um grappling between around what what is what is okay right what am i willing to sacrifice um to 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 make to make more money um so that that is dream house which is our third play and then the final play of our season is queen um by madri shaker and it is a um, a play that's that is dealing with two women in science, and um, and they are studying the collapse of bee colonies around um, around the world, and um, and they ba- um, basically find a flaw in their in their data, and have to make the decision around. Um, uh, what do we do here? Do th- this is important information we need to share. Um, do we look the other way, ignore the data um, error, or do we um, close this entire research project, which would shed light on the collapse of bee colonies? Th- these are amazing stories written by amazing artists of color, and um, and they will invite communities into their community. Um, and, and I'm just thrilled that this is what our what our season is comprised of. I think we will build bridges through this type of, of storytelling. Kit Ingui is Managing Director of Longmore Theatre in New Haven. Kit, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll also link uh, to the Iverton Playhouse and Hartford Stage upcoming uh, shows this season. But thank you so much, Amelia Ben-Susan, Artistic Director at Hartford Stage, and Jackie Hubbard, Executive Artistic Director at Iverton. Always great to hear both of you on our air. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, Lucy. Really a pleasure. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Tess Terrible. Kat Pastor is our technical producer. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.